Looking at the Utah Jazz numbers since they traded Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mike Conley, what does it tell us about the final stretch run? Could they be a 500 team? Eh, that seems like a big stretch. We'll talk about it. Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the February 28th edition of Locked On Jazz. The Utah Jazz traded Mike Conley on the 8th of February. What does their differential tell us after seven games? What players are stepping up? And in a Western Conference where teams are falling off right and left, is the play-in a realistic possibility for the Jazz before they embark on this massive Road trip. We're looking at all of those things, plus LeBron James' extended time out injury has massive impact on the West and the Utah Jazz at the end of the schedule. And Trends Tuesday. I know it's Trends Monday, but we're looking at it all coming up. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan every day. We are free We are available on all podcasting apps. Also on YouTube, join the Lockdown group. Join the Lockdown community by subscribing, following. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Chat in the chat room with everyone and enjoy yourself all being a part of the Lockdown Jazz community. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every day and making us your first listen because we are your team every day. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Today's show, by the way, is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Uh, so we're suddenly have seven games of sample. One of them feels like you almost want to take out the Minnesota game and make it six games of sample. That Minnesota game was so bad and they were so stunned and guys were literally broken in the locker room before the game. But in in and it makes a big difference how you look at it, frankly. So if you take the Jazz starting on February 9th, since the trade deadline, since the day they made the trade, they're they're actually 4-2. and two. They have a plus 2.4 differential. Um, if you include the, the eighth, which, you know, did happen, um, so it's hard to take out, then suddenly the Jazz drop to 4-3 and three with a minus 1.4 differential there's some interesting little notes here or we're just a we're considerably different team than we were the big picture question is like hey we just beat Oklahoma City and we just beat San Antonio like is this a team that's ready to make kind of a playoff push and honestly when I dive into the numbers it doesn't feel like that if it happens great but I wouldn't say that like somehow I think in fact the opposite is what I is I feel is that we're just playing so many minutes every night out of guys that are were not rotation players earlier in this year that this is going to be a mammoth hurdle, particularly when we get onto the road. And it, it's so awesome and admirable that this team puts up such a fight that it's actually a discussion. Um, I think it tells you an awful lot about just kind of who this team is, who Will Hardy is, who the, char- the character that's being built on this team. So let's take a second and just look at how the Jazz have, have changed a little bit. Um, and we'll we'll start it off by looking at what we were beforehand, and then we'll look at and again, hey, we got seven games. It's not the greatest sample size, but it's all we got. So 
before the trade, our offensive rating was a 116.6. Since the trade, our offensive rating is a 115.2. So we're down 1.4 points offensively per game. We were the third best offensive team in the league. The, The league's offense continues to get better and better and better. So when you're actually going down this time of year, the rest of the league's kind of increasing. Uh, um, and so that's, you know, that's worth noting um, in this, is that, you know, we're prop, you know, that that's a, that's a little bit. We were a plus 1.1 over that time period um, prior to the trade. So we were a little bit above five. We were 27, 28. Our numbers said we were a little bit above 500. Should have been a little bit above 500. That seemed like a really good representation of who the Jazz the Jazz were at that point. We were 26th in the league defensively, uh, which obviously needed to get re- get improved. And we were third in the league offensively. Now, since then, and again, you know, I mentioned it a moment ago, I, I, I find myself like with this tendency to want to do these numbers without that Minnesota game. Um, and then they look so much better, but it happened. We're now a negative 1.4 differential. So that's a pretty big change. That's a 2.5 point differential. The offense is 1.4 points worse, and the defense is actually 1.2 points worse. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, the average offense in this span is a 115.2. The league average for the year is a 113.6. So what does that mean? That means that we're, there's a 1.6 over the last, since the beginning of February, offense is up 1.7 points per 100 possession than what it's been for the whole season. This is common. This is kind of what happens as the year goes on. Offenses go get better. So the fact that we've dipped offensively in a time period where the offense is going up actually makes our dip a little bit more extreme. We're now the 15th ranked offensive team in the league. Our defense is 21st. Those indicators don't lead you to believe this is a team that's about to go on a six-game road trip and, like, launch. And... I think you have to just kind of, and I think that's fair. Um, partially, again, what I said before, like you just have guys playing more minutes, new positions. You took out three major rotation players and other than, and did not add, you know, significant pieces. Juan Toscana Anderson, Damian Jones, um, and then picked up Chris Dunn off the waiver wire. Those are kind of, those are nice pieces to pick up, but they're not quite the same. The other one is just what are, ability to shoot the three is offensively is so dramatically different than than what we were before that's that's where maybe it's most obvious if you look back to february 8th uh and you know we've taken one of the highest rates of any team in the league on threes this year um that we launched you know we launch them uh with great frequency and with success uh we are the now the fifth ranked team in the NBA of taking threes. We've been kind of two, three, or four um, throughout the year. The If we go look at it since the trade deadline, or since our trade, um, it's a very different number. And that it, we just, you lose Mike Conley and you lose Malik Beasley and you have just very, very different ability to get threes off. We now rank it 15, 16th in the league, 17th in the league at 33.8% of getting threes off. So we've gone from a top team at over 40% down to 33% of our shots as threes. Um, much, much more difficult 
way for us to survive. The other one is that we're not making them at anywhere nearly the same rate. We're now 21st in the league in this same time period. It makes, understandably, lost two 40% three-point shooters. So that's the biggest area where the offense has slipped. Now, where the offense has survived is really interesting. And this is, you know, the resiliency of this group trying to figure out how they're going to do this. We are the, I believe we're the number one offensive rebounding team since the trade. Um, and that is how we're surviving offensively right now. If you look at our four factors, which is shooting, turnover rate, offensive rebounding rate, and free throw rate, we're 20 or 18th in shooting. We're 29th in taking care of the ball. No surprise, we don't have a natural point guard. We're the second best offensive rebounding team in the league at 33.5, and we're the ninth best at getting to the line. So we've really transformed every way in which we're playing offensively. And, you know, frankly, not as well. What's interesting on the defensive end is since the trade, we're the fifth best team in the league in effective field goal percentage defense. We're last in the league forcing turnovers. We've kind of gotten into this shell defensively that to and force bad shots, which is great. I'm, I'm a believer in this. We're, we're not fouling and we're not, and we're forcing bad shots, which is a great combination, frankly. Um, and we're 23rd in the league in defensive rebounding. You know, we've got a problem where we commit a lot of turnovers and we allow a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, but we don't, and we don't force turnovers. But that's pretty interesting that over the last seven games, we're suddenly showing signs of that elite defensive team. The first thing you're going to do if you're going to be an elite defensive team is you're going to stop shots, right? So if you look at the top 10, let me do it for the whole season. I was just doing it for this stretch. Um, if you look at the top 10 defensive teams in the NBA, the, the characteristic is that they stop the shots. Not that they force turnovers. It's not that they rebound. It's not that they do anything else. It's that they, it's that they force shots. Um, and that's, and that's the key. They force bad shots. You know, if you look at the best defenses right now, the effective field goal percentage, Milwaukee's number one to number one, Boston, Memphis is number two in shot defense to number two defensively. Brooklyn's number three to 17, which is unusual. They don't often, they don't rebound at all. New York is four to 15. That's because they don't force any turnovers. Washington's five to 20 because they don't force any turnovers. Boston's six to five. Phoenix is the seventh best shooting defense, eighth best overall defense. Cleveland, eighth best shooting defense, third best defense. Ninth best shooting defense is Philadelphia, seventh best defense. So of the top seven or nine teams defending the shot, you have six of those nine are in the top 10 defensively. That's the character, That's the stat you need, and that's the stat we're showing. That's the most encouraging thing since the trade deadline. The offense is going to scuffle, but this team is now suddenly playing defensively at a much higher level. We'll look at individual performances as we continue on this, um, and we'll look at LeBron's injury and what that means as we continue. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jazz, and it's brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Always want to thank the Murdochs for their longtime support of Locked on Jazz and always feel comfortable sending you over to the Murdochs because of the amazing selection, particularly the SUV lineup. The Palisade is the King Poobah. It is gorgeous. It is fabulous. I'm jealous every time I see somebody with it. And the Kona is the smaller, zippier one that runs around town for you and looks absolutely outstanding and is very affordable. We've bought two of the Santa Fe's and the Tucson's right in the middle. The Hyundai lineup of cars is just absolutely fabulous. I'd like to give you the VIP treatment so that if you're going to head over to Hyundai, please make sure you email me first. We'll give you set you up with Cameron over in Murray. We'll set you up with Jake and Lyndon and give you that locked-on VIP treatment that you deserve and need. 
uh, when you're looking at a car uh, right now. So make sure you email me first at DLock09. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Built Bar, right here, in fact. I was trying to figure out how I was going to eat a little bit of it. What is that? Is that? That's a chocolate. That's a cookies and cream Built Bar floating around uh, for you. The Built Bar is the incredible. I just got my grasshopper cookies. I'm pretty excited. I also got brownie puff, by the way. Uh, Built Bar is the incredible candy bar, excuse me, protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors, whether it's coconut almond or churro or peanut butter brownie. All only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. You can get them at Built.com as we have so many times before with the promo code LOCKEDON15. Or you can go, they also have, and they have the new coconut, the cookie dough chunk available for you right now. Also, grasshopper cookie, which I'm a huge fan of. But also, if you're looking to get it more immediately, you can go to your local Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors Brownie Batter and Churro. Or you can go to Walmart today and pick up the four-box pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. For your second listen today, Locked On Sports Today, the 22-minute sports recap show that updates you on everything that's going on in the sports world, gives you a little knowledge of everything you need to know Uh and let you talk about it at the water cooler. Here's where the NBA standings sit right now. So Dallas has won one game since Kyrie and uh, since Kyrie and Luca came together, and it was against the Spurs, who have not won a game for. Oh, I'm glad I saw it just printed out badly today. Who have not won a game for 42 days? Um, Dallas tonight hosts Indiana. That should be a win. Dallas is sitting in the playoff spot at number six. Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Clippers. I I don't think there's any chance any of those five drop out. And I frankly don't think there's any chance that Dallas drops out either. I think they'll put it together. But let's talk about it. Because they're only a game ahead of us. Golden State is at a half game behind the Mavericks. Golden State plays home to Portland tonight. We're a game back of Dallas for six. Half game behind the Warriors at eight. Minnesota is a half game behind us. And they play the Clippers in LA tonight. Rudy missed that last one due to illness. Um, We'll see how he comes back. He's usually pretty good in L.A. Uh, New Orleans is just fading miserably. They lost again last night. They're just not right at all. They lost to Orlando, who's good, but at home, 101-93. And they're now tied with Portland, who, as I mentioned, is in Golden State, so somebody has to lose. And then there's the Laker-LeBron injury. And that's mammoth. So the two stories, and then you get Oklahoma City. Here are the three stories that are suddenly getting really interesting in the West. When when we came out of break, and I will get to our player numbers here in a second. When we came out of break, it was that there were going to be seven teams competing for three, really six teams competing for three spots. We all kind of just assumed the Warriors would hold it together. And I, and I still believe that to be true. Um, all of a sudden, you're beginning to wonder. So New Orleans is just in miserable situation. They've lost four straight. They've lost 15 of last 19 games. They won three in a row in the middle and haven't recovered. And their last losses are at LA, at Toronto, at New York, home against Orlando. They now come west for Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, Dallas, Thunder, Portland, Lakers. Their next seven games are all against teams with playoff implications. So they they could be in a world of hurt. The Lakers just lost LeBron. Like, New Orleans could fall out of this thing. The Lakers just lost LeBron. They don't have their own draft pick. New Orleans has it. 
They play their next stretch. This is going to be the stretch of games that they do not have LeBron. Now, they're fortunate they're home, but and no one knows how long LeBron's out. And frankly, if they don't play this stretch, like we're talking weeks, we get into March, there's like 15 games left in a long road trip. Like, you just wonder. The Lakers are only a half game behind the Pelicans who are fading, right? So it's they still can maybe make the play and even without LeBron because Anthony Davis has been great. But they go to Memphis, go to Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Golden State, Memphis, Toronto, New York, New Orleans, like their next eight games, which they've come through this stretch. We notified this right out of the shoot, right out of the break that this was this incredible stretch of them. They've been three and zero. They've been great, um, but now they have to do it without LeBron. They're much better equipped to handle it without LeBron because now Russell's not taking twenty shots, but they're it's still trying to do it without LeBron. The one that's interesting is Oklahoma City. They suddenly have sat Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the last two games. I'm sure he's hurt, but like they've sat in the last two games. I'm sure they're being cautious. They very quietly have lost four out of five. Their one win in that stretch is to the Rockets. They have lost six out of eight. They've got the Kings at home, the Lakers, and the Jazz home twice, and the Warriors at home. So they have a five-game homestand right now. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They then play Phoenix and the New Orleans on the backside. There's this eight-game stretch here where they suddenly are dictating what they're doing. And then Portland, who is definitely trying to win, suddenly might work their, their, their tide right now. I think they worked their way back in. But what I'm trying to tell you is, like, there's suddenly a chance that we had six teams competing for three spots. We may only have four teams competing for three spots. We may only have three teams competing for three spots. And then there's a real question whether we can hold this together. But Portland has lost five of their last eight. They beat the Warriors, they beat the Lakers, and they beat the Rockets. But they've lost some games in there they shouldn't have lost. And their next stretch is Golden State tonight, back-to-back home against New Orleans. And then they go to Atlanta, Orlando, Detroit, Boston, Philly, New Orleans. They're going to go do the same thing we're doing, which is sit themselves on the road for 13 days. So super interesting to watch the next week and a half here in the Western Conference playoffs. Because LeBron's injury suddenly might knock the Lakers out. The other wild card on this one is, let's assume for a second the worst on the Lakers, which never breaks anyone's heart. But let's assume that they they can't hold it together without LeBron. I actually think they're equipped to be able to be about 500 without LeBron. But just from a playoff standpoint, here's what gets super interesting to me. Their final five games of the year, The only team they play that is in this kind of middle pack realm. They do their sixth game of the year left is against Minnesota. But that's March 31st. That seems like it's early to pull. But if they suddenly fall out of it, like three or four games left in the season and the Lakers are out of it and they're going to pull the dogs off. The only team they play down the stretch is the Utah Jazz. They play the Clippers and the Suns. They're, I think they're in that top five, no question. They, we play, they play at Utah, and we finish the season at LA on the final game of the season. Two of our final four games are against the Lakers. Two of their final four games are against the Jazz. There's a chance the Jazz are the benefactor of LeBron's injury in a way that it doesn't impact anyone else where the Jazz suddenly might sneak an extra win or two. If the Pelicans were to really, really fall out of it, the same thing is true. Their final five games are Clippers, Kings, Memphis, Knicks, and maybe, and then the Timberwolves on the last night of the year in Minnesota. So Minnesota might gain 
a one-game advantage if they really, really fall out of it. And we'll watch what happens with the Thunder. The Thunder have just let it rip on the bottom half of the standings enough you begin to wonder right now whether they're up to something. If that's the case, the benefactor is the Utah Jazz. Because we play them three more times the rest of the year. They don't play anyone else three more times. And of the teams that are in the playoff, the play-in thing, Oklahoma City themselves should be in it. So this may not be true, but it does feel a little funky right now. Is They, they play the Pelicans once. They play the Lakers once. They play the Blazers once. And that's it. The If teams are about to like fall out of this, the benefactor of this is your Utah Jazz. Which, where I thought, you know, I think the Jazz to make the playoffs have to go like 12 and 10. Their final 22 games. I think it's a, I'm going to stay to where I started the day. I think that's a mammoth task for what this roster is right now. They've overwhelmed and surprised us, as Will said the other day. Stop being surprised. Um, Quarter to 538, I believe the play-in number is 41 still. The Lakers at 41, the Timberwolves at 41, I think are the the final two teams in. Um, Jazz and Pelicans at 40, or one of us might, oh, no, the final team in now is 40. So 41 to me is the number you still have to get to it, stay at 500. Can the Jazz play 500 the rest of the way? I think that's that's a huge task. We'll, talk, we'll look at the Jazz and the numbers we've seen since then. Tonight would be, though, like if you're going to start playing 500 the rest of the way, you get tonight against the Spurs. You get one of the two against the Thunder. The Lakers give you two. There's four. You're looking for 10, right? Okay. You've got another one, I think. You got a, you got a Charlotte. There's five. Like, can you go find five more along the way? And now all of a sudden, you're talking about playing a plan. It's kind of great. It's really, it's really, really kind of great. All right, we'll look at the Jazz individual player numbers here in just a second. Um, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. It's a tough job market right now to be trying to hire people because, frankly, if you're a small company, the, the biggest problem is just the, the time suck, frankly. Um, the, it just takes so much energy and effort to find the right person in a complicated job market. So that's where LinkedIn steps in for you and it helps you. You create a free, easy jo- uh, a free and easy job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then you add the purple hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then you use their simple tools like screening questions. You make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hiring versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Post your job for free. I mean, frankly, I've done this a bunch and I know this is... If you don't do this quickly and efficiently, it becomes very detrimental to the company. So use LinkedIn. See how it can help you. LinkedIn.com slash locked on terms and conditions apply. Jazz and the Spurs tonight. Ron Boone and I will be on the floor at about a little before five on locked on D-Lock 09. And then Jazz and the Spurs tonight. Tickets are available if you want to grab it. All right, let's look at our player stats because this is a... Really, it's crazy impressive what guys are doing. Um, the Jazz traded Mike Conley on the 8th of February. Colin Sexton gets hurt. He's out another week. And suddenly, Taylor Horton Tucker is playing 30 minutes a night as your point guard. And the Jazz are finding a way to survive it. 
and Talon is like developing. And then really, honestly, with Talon's weakness is that he's not a great shooter. And so therefore, you know, you're when you look at what Talon has to do um, to be a really productive NBA player, he's he's not going to be a three and D guy. He's going to be a ball in his hands guy. That that's the reality of what he needs because otherwise he just doesn't have enough gravity out there. So if you look at what the Jazz have been doing over those over these seven games, Markin's playing 34 minutes, Clarkson's playing 34, Kessler's playing 31, Alinex playing 29. He's been amazing. Kelly's averaging 15 points, eight rebounds, and three assists a game since the trade. Talon is averaging 13 points, five rebounds, six assists, shooting 39% from the field and 32% from three. Colin was great in those five games. Ochai is playing 26 minutes a night. And here's just the nutty part of this. So, like, Talon was out of the rotation. So Talon's playing 27 minutes a night. Chris Dunn's played 20 in his two games with us. Juan Toscana-Anderson's playing 17. Simone Fontecchio's played 16 minutes in each of the last in the games. Adoka Azabuki and Damian Jones are combining. To, they're, they're, somebody's playing 11. You add up those numbers. And the Jazz are playing 91 minutes a night of minutes by players that prior to the trade deadline were not in the rotation. And that's why you look at some of our numbers and our inability to shoot and our defense is better. And like, there's a bunch of really good signs, particularly the defensive effective field goal percentage. But playing 91 minutes of guys that were not in the rotation prior to the trade deadline and then kind of going down this gauntlet of games is a pretty wild task. And it's why, you know, unless, frankly, the Pels and the Lakers really fall out and the Thunder fall out, we suddenly have three for three, I think it's going to be hard. Minnesota cannot afford to like fall back anymore. The Warriors are in, and so then it's one other team. I, I, I can't imagine Minnesota falls that far off the map. They'll be able to play 500 the rest of the way. Warriors will play 500 the rest of the way. Which of the following teams, Utah, New Orleans, Portland, LA, or the Thunder can play 500 the rest of the way? The Jazz, though, are up three in the win column on Oklahoma City. They're up two on the win column on LA. And the Pelicans feel like they need to pull a parachute cord pretty soon if they don't. Few interesting notes for uh, the Jazz on the three-point shooting we talked about. This is where losing Mike Conley and losing some gravity really hurts. Marking in 31% since the trade deadline, or since the trades. Jordan Clarkson, 29% from three since the trades. Taylor Horton Tucker, 32% three-point shooting. Um, Chris Dunn is not a three-point shooter, 29. Juan Toscana Anderson, 33. Simone, 16. Rudy Gay, 27. Alinek is at 48% from three, and Abaji is at 40% from three. Those are really your only three-point shooters that you have on the roster. Talon's averaging six assists. Jordan's averaging five. Colin was averaging five. It would be nice to get Colin back at some point. Chris Dunn's averaging four. So that you are moving it. You are trying to move it. It's not like lack of it. Like, but, you know, Jordan Clarkson and Lowry Markin are getting very little airspace right now. Somehow Lowry's averaging 29 points a game. Jordan's averaging 19. It's pretty awesome. Kelly Olynyk's been the real star. Very quietly and subtly playing incredible basketball. And Jordan is 41% from the field, 29% from three, lacking efficiency. But without that space, that's pretty impressive. Four turnovers a game. So getting getting difficult there. All right, quick look at the trends. We always like to do this. And what we'll look at is the last 10 games, and this is where 
you know, you're going to see New Orleans kind of unbelievably um, and some of these other notes for you that kind of make you wonder a little bit. But we'll look at a quick trend or two uh, of what's going on in the league and, and wrap this baby up. Uh, going to be a fun, super fun and exciting run here. I, I, I think that's the, what a gift on this season to be able to get this run. I mean, I'm trying to be realistic on like how difficult I think it would be for us to make this run and, and as we get excited about it. But I, I think that it's, um, it is, it is really fun. All right. Last 10 games. This goes pre-trade deadline as, or pre-trade deadline and pre-All-Star break. Uh, Sacramento's the number one offense in the league at 122. Portland next. The Knicks are third. They're eight and two in their last 10. Dallas is the fourth best offense. Cleveland the fifth. Warriors are sixth. Oklahoma City seven. Clippers eight. Hawks nine. Wizards 10. We're 13. Um, I do think what's interesting here is the Dallas, despite having only won one game with Kyrie and Luka and not looking right, should be fine. San Antonio's the worst offense in the league in the last 10. Detroit, Miami, Chicago, Houston, Orlando, Brooklyn, Phoenix, and Charlotte. No big surprises there. Other than maybe Miami at 28, they really are having a hard time scoring. Best defensive teams in the NBA over the last 10. Milwaukee, Chicago, Orlando, who we'll see on this upcoming trip. They're playing really well. Memphis, Cleveland, and Phoenix. As I mean, we're 25th in the last 10. So the worst teams are Houston, Portland, Brooklyn, Sacramento, and San Antonio. So Sacramento and Portland have stopped playing defense, but they're the top two offenses in the league in that stretch. If we look at the last two weeks, which will be a little shorter also because of the way, um, because of the schedule, um, and we'll do that this via cleaning the glass, um, you've really only got teams with four or five games right now. The number one point differential is the Knicks, followed by the Lakers, the Bucks, Memphis, and Chicago. The top offense is Sacramento, Clippers, Indiana, New York, and Cleveland. Teams that can't score, this New Orleans is 30th in the league offensively over the last stretch, just two weeks. Detroit, San Antonio, Minnesota also in there, and Miami. So interesting to see Minnesota coming out of the break really has not been good offensively or since the Mike Conley addition. Defensively, the Lakers are the number one team in the league over the last two weeks. That's just over three games, though. Memphis, New York, Milwaukee, Chicago, Utah. Over the last three games, we're seventh. Nice to play the Spurs. Uh, Houston, Clippers are the second-worst defensive team recently because of their two big Denver and Sacramento games. Sacramento, Portland, that two weeks is bad trend. That's that's not worth the data. It'll be interesting to see in a week or two when we've actually played all these games. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Jazz on the Spurs tonight. How fun. Another big one. Tune in. Ron and I will be on the call, and we'll be back with you postcast after the game. Thank you.